With Hashem's assistance, we learn about Bukhama Daft Tzadi Aleph, page 91. We begin 12 lines. In the Bayalahu, the Gemara asks a question. So until now, we've been assuming that in regards to the courts creating an evaluation whether or not this thing has the ability to cause death or to cause damage, so we assume that in both cases, whether we're talking about death or damage, you do make an umdana, you create an evaluation. Now the Gemara actually challenges this and wants to know if it's true that in regards to damages, we need to create an evaluation to determine if, let's say, an animal caused damage, if that animal has the ability to cause this kind of damage. Do we say, that in regards to death, so then we make an evaluation. Because we need to figure out does this have the ability, let's say a person killed, so does he have the physical ability to make someone's soul go out of them, to kill someone or not? But perhaps in regards to the Nezakin damages, it could be even a small amount, a small damage would be able to cause a damage. Perhaps no, there's no difference. You have to be able to determine that this thing that causes damage has the ability to cause this type of damage. The Gemara tries to bring a proof. We find that it says earlier that in regards to a pit, so we find that it needs to have 10 Tvachim in order to be able to cause to cause death. So, so to any time that the death is caused, it has to be ten tvachim. So, for example, if I recall correctly, so it was also coming to include a case where you have an animal, let's say, falling off of someone's hill. Someone made a hill, and from the top of the hill to the to the ground is ten tvachim. So that also could cause death. Now, let's say it was less than ten tvachim, ten hands breaths. And then an ox or a donkey fell in, who mason died, potter. So then, there's no obligation to pay for the death. But if there was damages, then there would be an obligation. Now the Gemara wants to understand, what do we mean when we say less than 10? Maybe when we see less than 10, we're actually counting from the lower numbers to the higher number. Meaning, this is what we mean. From one tefach to ten tefachim, so there's no death. But there is damages. And what would be the indication of that? So the implication would be, we can deduce, that when it comes to damages, even a small amount, let's say there's even one tefach that falls down into a pit, which is one hands breadth deep, that can also cause damage. So then we would be able to deduce from there that in regards to damages, we don't have to create any kind of umdan, any kind of evaluation, because any small amount has the ability to cause damage. The Mar says, no, it's no proof. Look. Actually, we're counting from the numbers above to the numbers below. And this is what we mean. When it comes to a ten tefach deep, ten hands breadth deep pit, so it has the ability to cause death. But less than 10 tvachim, poor to even a drop. So only a little bit less than 10, meaning 9 tvachim, 9 hands breaths. So then you can have damages, and there's no death. And really what we'll tell you is, you do have to determine that this has the ability, this pit has the ability to cause damages. So each and every time we have a case of damages, you have to determine whether or not the thing that caused the damage had the ability to cause this damage. But we don't assume that if it was a small possibility that there was a damage, that that's enough to cause the damage. And basically what we're saying is not either way is true, but rather we're saying that you can't prove anything from this particular Mishnah. Tashima, the Gemara tries to bring a different proof. He Let's say somebody knocked someone's eye and caused him to become blind. He knocked him on his ear and became deaf. So in such a case, a slave is going to go out free. It's considered that you knocked out one of the parts of the body that have the ability for a slave to go out free. Let's say it was near his eye. Now he can't see. It was near his ear that, it was, that he was struck. But now he can't hear. We don't say that the slave is going to go out free for such a strike. My time was 
the reason. Perhaps it's because we can't determine that the person, when he struck in this way, that that was enough to cause this damage that was caused. That would be a good proof. That we need to be able to evaluate and determine that in regards to damages, that you need to be able to prove that the action that was done has the ability to cause this damage. Mars says, no proof. Low. No. In this particular case, we know for sure that this act did not have the ability to cause this damage. And what we actually say is that there was a psychological damage that caused him to become deaf or blind. And we assume that the person himself, the slave in this case, so he was the one that caused it to himself. Like we found in the If someone scares his friend, So he has no obligation in regards to what the court is going to obligate him. However, in regards to the heavens, as far as they're concerned, so you've done something wrong. Kate, what's the case? Talk about us. Let's say somebody blew a horn in someone else's ear and he caused them to become deaf. Putter, so there's no obligation to pay for that. And as we just explained, because it's considered that he has done it to himself, it was a psychological problem that the person who got blown in his ear, he created his own problem. Let's say he grabbed his ear and he blew in his ear and became deaf. So then that's considered a direct damage and there would be an obligation. Tashimah, we try to bring another proof. There are five different things, meaning the five different damages that we had in the Mishnah. We evaluate them. And he has to pay him right away. And the way we, that we determine it, we don't wait until he does the doctor bills and he loses his work, but rather he, rather he pays it at the beginning based on what the doctors determine how much it's going to cost and how much work he's going to miss. Let's say they evaluated him and it was going to take a certain amount of time for him to be cured, and it turned out it took longer. So we don't give him any more than they originally evaluated him. Let's say they evaluated him and he got well very quickly so they also give him the full amount that they evaluated him and Rashi explains in regards to the case where he got better quickly that it was from the heavens really he was supposed to take a certain amount of time to get better as the doctors evaluated but it was from the heavens that they had racham and they had mercy upon him so therefore he gets that money Shmamina, we can deduce from here that we do indeed create an evaluation as we said in the Brisa so the says hold on a second in regards to evaluating how much a person is going to end up sick in bed because of this this wound, how much he's not going to be in bed, that wasn't our question at all. That's certainly something that we have to evaluate to figure out how much this person is, is owed. The question that we were asking had to do with in regard to evaluating this object that caused the damage, whether or not it has the ability to cause this damage or not. So we bring a proof. This is the price that we have on Tzadikam Abbas, page 90b. If we find in regards to a fist that it's something which is specific, that it's something that comes in front of the court, the court can determine whether this fist of this person or the strength of this person has the ability to cause damage or death. Anything that's specific, that can be brought in front of the court. So we see that in regards to this statement, we're saying that there is an obligation to create an evaluation. And as we mentioned previously, that's also true in regards to damages. So we can prove from here that indeed in regards to damages we do have to figure out we have to evaluate if the thing has the ability to cause the damages it's a good proof we stated previously let's say they evaluated how much a person is going to be sick and then he got he got well quicker so they give him the full amount that they originally evaluated him this is a proof to what Rav says Rav said let's say they evaluated him that he was going to take a full day to recover and he got better in half a day and he's working in the afternoon they still nevertheless give him money as if he was sick the entire day 
because as we mentioned earlier, as Rashi said, that it was from the heavens that they had mercy upon him. So therefore, he really should have taken all day, and that's why you have to pay for it, the person who caused the damage. But nevertheless, the heavens had mercy upon him. Now the Gemara quotes the Mishnah, Rakak v'igiyah b'y haroik, let's say someone spit on someone else, and the spit got on him, v'haver chule, etc. in the Mishnah, Amr Rav Rav says, l'shano el b'y, when do we say there's an obligation to pay only if the spit actually got on the person himself? Aval b'bigda, but if it just got on his clothes, l'y, there would not be an obligation to pay for this embarrassment. So the Gemara says, v'nihavi kibay shvidvarim, why is it any worse than embarrassing somebody with your words, saying something negative about the person? Amri b'marav, so they said, in the land of Israel, that if you embarrass somebody else with your words, there's no obligation to pay. The Gemara continues with another quote from the Mishnah. We said, everything goes according to the honor of the person. The Gemara wants to understand. When the Tanakhama, the first Tana says this statement, Is he coming to say a statement which is a leniency or a stringency? What are the different possibilities? Perhaps he's saying a leniency. Perhaps he's saying that when it comes to a person who's poor, you don't have to give as much money. Perhaps he's saying a stringency. That what he's coming to to say is that you sometimes you have a rich person who you need to give more than this m- amount of money. Toshima, so we bring a proof from a later statement in the Mishnah, which is an argument. From the fact that Rabbi Kiva says that even a poor person, we look at them the same as a rich person. That they're the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we can actually prove from there, from the fact that Rabbi Kiva is saying that they're all the same. And in regards to, let's say, a woman, as the case, as the Mishnah continues, a woman who had been embarrassed, they took off her hair covering. So what did they make him pay? They made him pay 400 zuzim, which was the amount of the Tanakama. So from the fact that we see that the poor person has to pay the same amount as, a, as the Tanakama, so clearly Rabbi Kiva is saying that doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you pay that 400 zuz. So what was the Tanakama coming to say? Clearly he was coming to say that the 400 zuz is just for a rich person. But a poor person, so we're going to be lenient with them and you're not going to have to pay as much. Again, we quote from the Mishnah, this case with this woman who her hair became uncovered by a certain man. So, and they gave him time to be able to pay. Umiyavinizmansigmar says, Is it true that we give someone time? Vamar Bichanina. Bichanina said, Ain naisin zman lachavalis. We don't give time to somebody who caused damage. So, Gemara answers, Kila yavin le zman lachavala, the chasim amayna. When don't we give someone time when someone has caused damage and he's made someone lose money? But in regards to embarrassment, the chasim amayna, he hasn't made him lose money. Yavina, then we do indeed give someone time. The Gemara continues, Shomer Aminas al Pesach Hasir Vachule. We said in the Mishnah that he waited until she was standing on the, on the doorstep and then he broke the jug in front of her. Vahatanya, the Gemara asks, we have a Brysa that says, You swam down into deep waters, but all you brought back for yourself was a broken shard of earthenware, meaning you, you did a tremendous amount of effort in order to try to exempt yourself from having to pay, but you haven't succeeded. Because why? A person has the ability, the right, to cause himself damage. So the question is that over here in the Brysa, so Rabbi Kiva seems to be responding that a person has the right to cause himself damage. But in our Mishnah, so he seemed to respond that a person does not have the right. What's the understanding? Amar Rava, so Rava says, it's not a problem. When we're talking about causing damage, so a person does not have the right to cause himself damage. And that's what we're talking about in the Mishnah. But in regards to embarrassment, so then a person does have the right to cause himself damage. A person can embarrass himself. The says, hold on a second. How can you tell me the Mishnah where he says he doesn't have a right is talking about uh, damage, but it's talking about embarrassment as well. What's the difference? Under the Tabat Tzadik Aleph on the base, page 91b, And what did it say? It's talking about embarrassment, that if a person causes himself damage, even though he's not allowed to, there's an obligation. 
So it sounds like also in regards to embarrassment, one is not allowed to cause it himself. Gemara answers, no. This is what he meant. Not only in regards to embarrassment, that a person is allowed to embarrass himself. Even in regards to damages, the a person is not allowed to cause himself damage. Nevertheless, others have an obligation to pay for it. So basically, we do retain this distinction between causing oneself embarrassment, which is permitted, and causing damage, which is not permitted. Now the Gemara challenges. Is it true that a person doesn't have a right to cause himself damage? You might think of, let's say someone swears. So when someone makes a swear, so he has to fulfill his swear. If he doesn't fulfill his swear, so he has to bring a special korban, a special sacrifice, because he's transgressed that which he swore. So now, let's say somebody swore that he's going to do something negative to himself. So you might think that if he didn't do the negative thing, maybe he wouldn't have to, it's not considered that he's transgressed the swear because he's not permitted to do something negative, Tamil Lomar. So we learn that from the verse, it says, Lahara lehetiv. That, it says that if someone swears to do something bad or something good, So Rashi explains that the Gemara and Shavuos understand that this verse is talking about doing something which one has, a, has permission to do. It's something that one's allowed to do. So what we say is like this, just like in regards to doing good, so we're talking about something that one has the right to do, so too in regards to doing something negative, so it's also something that someone has the right to do. So this comes to include a case where somebody swore to do something negative to himself, and he didn't do that thing. He also has transgressed the swear that he made. So what do we see? We see that it's permitted for someone to cause himself damage. Amar Shmuel, so Shmuel explains that the case is talking about where someone's, what was the damage that he caused himself? Where he said to himself, I'm going to sit and I'm going to fast on a certain day. So the Gemara says, so that's going to be a similar case in regards to causing someone else damage. Can you force someone else to go and sit betanisa and fast? So the Gemara says, in, yes, it is possible that you tie someone up and you put them in a room. So the Gemara says, so therefore, also in regards to causing oneself damage, it's not to say that one's allowed to cause himself damage, but rather, it means that a person is allowed to accept upon himself to fast. So the Gemara says, wait, Vahatanya, we see that that's not true, because we have a Brisa that says, what's called causing damage to someone else? When someone swears, I'm going to hit so-and-so, I'm going to smash his skull. So that would be the indication that in regards to uh, someone causing damage to himself, also, that it's talking about where someone literally causes a chaval, a damage to himself, and not just saying he's going to sit and fast. So Gemara says, it's clear that it's actually an argument between Tanoim. One Tana says, the person does not have the right to cause himself damage. And then there's one that says, the person does have the right to cause himself damage. So now the Gemara says, who is the Tana that says that the person does not have the right to cause himself damage? If you want to say that's the following Tanya, the Tanya, we have a Brisa. In regards to someone who commits suicide, so the Torah says that I'm going to request your souls from yourselves, meaning you're not allowed to cause, you're not allowed to cause yourself death. Rebbe explained that it's talking about someone causing himself death. So maybe over here, just like in regards to someone causing himself to die, so also in regards to causing oneself damage, it's also forbidden. So the Gemara says, no, that's not, that can't be, because maybe it's different in regards to death. Maybe it's the following Tanya, it says that if someone dies, so one's permitted to, to rip his own clothing, and there's no problem of doing like the ways of the non-Jewish nations. Rebbe says, Shamati, that I heard, if someone rips his clothes too much because of someone who died, like he's actually going to incur the penalty of lashes because he's destroyed his clothing at, without necessity. So then the implication would be, and certainly in regards to one's body, if you can't rip your clothes, certainly you can't cause damage to your body. So maybe it's like this time, and the Gemara says, no, you can't prove it. It could be it's worse to rip one's clothing. Why? 
Because in regards to one's clothing, so it's not something that automatically fixes itself. Like the same in Rabbi Yechanan, that he used to refer to his clothes as those that those things that honor himself. When he would get to a place that was thorny and had to walk through there, he would take off his clothes and he would raise them above himself. And he would say like this, If my skin gets ripped, so it's something that heals itself, but my clothes are not going to be able to heal itself. So we see that there's a distinction between wounding oneself, one's body, and ripping one's clothes. So Gemara said, Rather, it's the following time of the time you have a b'raisa. Amar Lazar Kafi Berebi, Lazar Kafi Berebi said as follows, what does it mean in the verse when it says, that the person, let's say he becomes a Nazir, a Nazarite, so he doesn't drink wine, and he doesn't cut his hair, so at the end of this period of time that he's dedicated himself to do this, so he has to bring a special korban, a special sacrifice to atone for himself. So when it says, what did he do to sin? this guy. The sin was that he didn't allow himself to drink wine. This, this matter is actually a logical derivation. If in regards to somebody who all he did was cause himself not to drink wine, is called somebody who's sinning. So if somebody causes himself some kind of pain in any event, so certainly it's called that he's sinned. So this is the Brisa indeed that says that someone is not permitted to cause himself damage. We talked about in the Mishnah a case where someone cuts down his own trees. Tani Rabba had the following Brisa that he said over in front of Rav. Very interesting Brisa. Shari Harakta. Let's say someone accuses someone else of killing his shore, his ox. You cut down my trees. So the guy responds and says, No, I'm sorry, buddy, but you told me to kill it. You told me to chop down those trees. Potter. So there's not going to be an obligation on the person who was accused to have to pay. So Rav says to him, So you're gonna you're gonna make it that no one can ever make a claim against his friend because every single person is always gonna be able to say you're the one who told me to do it. Does, does a person have the right to say the ability to say that you're the one who told me to do it? So Rabbi Baruchana says to him, So should I take this out? Is this an inaccurate brisa? So Rav responded and said, Light, light. You don't have to say that to Targum because we could explain this brisa as follows. We're talking about an ox that was supposed to be killed anyway. Why? Because it killed. It's a tree that's in a dangerous place. It's leaning over into the public domain. It's going to hurt somebody. So he was supposed to chop it down himself. And therefore, that's why in this case, the person who's being accused will be believed. If that's the case, Micah Tanle. So what's the guy saying? You you knock down my tree. You are the one who killed my animal. He was supposed to be killed. So the reason is because he's saying like this. I know, but you know, we have a mitzvah. I wanted to do this mitzvah. Titania, as we learned in the Brisa, that the verse says in regards to pouring out blood, so you have to cover it. The person who poured out the blood, he's the one who has an obligation to cover it up. There was a story of someone, Shashachat, that he slaughtered an animal, and someone else came along and covered it. And Gamaliel said to him, because you took away this person's mitzvah, so he obligated him to pay a certain amount of damage which was 10 zuv and 10 golden coins that's what we see that if a person wants to he can claim against someone else that you stole my mitzvah you took away my opportunity to do a commandment and there's a certain monetary value to that